Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. And coming up in 20 minutes, instead of doing a Clark Rageous moment today, we're going to talk about tax day deals. What bargains are there to salve the wounds of tax day? And later this hour, I'm going to shock you with where your tax dollars actually go. For every dollar that is spent, how's it divided up? How's it divvied up? You are really going to be surprised where all the money goes. I want to talk right now about something going on in the U.S. right now that potentially affects your wallet. And that is that because of the word spreading around the globe, that if you come to the United States as a tourist, you might have a very unfriendly welcome when you land and go to immigration. Foreigners who were planning to come to the United States this summer aren't coming. They're going to go somewhere else. And the effect on you and your wallet from that has unexpected benefits. How? Well, so those foreigners during the summer contribute a lot of hotel nights. They stay all around the country. They go to amusement parks. They go to national parks, all that. So it was predicted this year that hotel rates in the United States would go up quite a bit, with the economy being stronger and people traveling more. But now that the foreigners are going to stay away at least somewhat, who knows what percent they'll back off, hotel chains, including the world's largest, Marriott, says that people aren't going to come and it's going to lead to empty room nights, which then in turn leads to lower prices for you and me when we travel around the United States. It's a weird way to get to deals, but the reality is we are going to have lower prices for that reason. And then the other that's going to happen is for us traveling particularly to Asia and to Europe, The fares were already headed lower for a number of factors, but now that the foreigners aren't going to come in the numbers expected this year, it means the airlines have seats that are going to be empty. Remember, when they come over here, they got to go back. That creates an empty round-trip seat that the airlines are going to have to fill with Americans going to Europe and Americans going to Asia to make up for the Europeans and Asians that aren't going to come here. So the unexpected drop in demand from foreigners coming here is going to lead to lower prices for us going there, wherever there would be overseas. So there is a double opportunity for us 
with the new extreme vetting that is going on at U.S. airports where foreigners land. And so the effect is you and I will get the dividend from foreign travelers not coming here. Now, there are those that will be losers in this, just like Marriott and other hotel chains will see a decline. Souvenir shops. I mean, people that rely on tourist business in the United States will suffer, and convention business will definitely suffer as foreigners choose not to come to international conventions held in the United States, and that will be a factor. But the reality is, for you and me, it means better prices. Is for the political side and all that, well, there's enough political talk radio to argue about that. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. Your wife is thinking of becoming an Uber driver. Uh, yes, uh, she's looking into that. Um, the reason I'm calling, um, I was wondering if there's any insurance that you recommend to carry uh, while she's working. Um, I understand that Uber covers some some things, but not all all, all um, things. And I've I've heard of a new ride share insurance um, being offered by Uber for this reason. Well, what a great question! And there is a serious gap with insurance in your own automobile personal automobile insurance policy. The way it's written typically will prohibit use of the vehicle for commercial purposes. And so if your wife is on her, you know, is active on the Uber app and is in an accident going to or from picking somebody up, there is a gap in who would cover you, where Uber isn't interested in covering you and neither is your own personal automobile insurance policy. And so now several of the big auto insurers offer the equivalent of an Uber rider, where for Uber or Lyft drivers, you can buy a supplementary insurance policy that fills in the gaps and the coverage that the personal automobile policy doesn't. And as to whether buying it from Uber, you know, their version of it would be a good idea, I feel more comfortable with you checking with your own automobile insurer to see if they offer one. Because what I don't want you to end up in, John, is a finger-pointing exercise where they say, oh, that's not us, that's them, and your wife's the one left in the middle, while Uber and your personal insurance argue about who's covering what. Okay, so you think it's a good idea to go ahead and and check with my insurance company, and and, uh, I'm sure that could be pretty expensive. Um, it's well from what i've read it's not horrifically expensive to Mm -hmm. piggyback that on to your existing personal automobile insurance policy but before you do that i think she should try it for a couple of days and see if she really wants to do it right you know and for a couple of days you leave yourself exposed but i think that's worth it just to see is this a something that she is going to want to do or she may decide what was i thinking i don't have any interest in doing this and by that point 
if you go ahead preemptively and buy an insurance rider, you've already bought something that you're then not going to need or use. Right. But and, under no circum- circumstances should she risk it and, and not carry anything. Well, not carry anything. That's an interesting concept because the greatest risk is when you're actively going to pick up a fare, but you're not, mm-hmm. you don't have that fare in your car. And that's where right. the greatest gap is because Uber, as you know, okay. provides coverage if she's in an accident while she's on duty. Okay. Now, again, that's not complete, but right. it does deal with some of the liability issues. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the information, Clark. Nice to be on with you. And I'm dying of curiosity, John. <laughs> what was it that made your wife think she might want to do this? Um, I, I was actually on your uh, website, and um, and you've been talking a lot about Ubering as a second job to just get some extra money. We've had some our two kids and braces, and we're just trying to make some extra money. And she, you know, wants to try it out. Well, that is so interesting, and then so that takes me to a question: Would she be driving either a an SUV or a minivan while she's doing the Ubering? It's actually it would be in a it's a Scion XB, which is kind of a utility. Vehicle. Oh, I know. I used to have the toaster. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what we called it in my family was the toaster. I miss that thing. Right. Yeah. The reason I asked big, big is that is that when. Um, you have a minivan or a big SUV. You can make additional money as an Uber. I guess they call it XL driver. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the, the fares that you get are a lot higher, but you can't stretch a Scion XB to get XL fares. Right. <laughs> Just a thought. Well, I hope it turns out to be something she does enjoy doing. And I'm so glad you asked the the insurance question because it is something that's never talked about is the exposure you potentially have if you don't have a add-on policy. Many insurers would call it a rider that covers you driving for Uber or Lyft. Emily's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Emily. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You have a question about doing business with Wells Fargo. I do. Um, so I'm 24 and I work at a factory and I have an IRA that uh, through my work and I contribute 10% and my work matches 5%. Um, and I, I keep hearing all your Clark Rages moments about Wells Fargo and I, and I just don't know what I'm supposed to do because it's through my company. So your company has chosen Wells Fargo for your retirement money to be there? Yes. So you just take the money and run. Because if you put in a dime and the company matches it with a nickel, that's a huge instant return on your money. And Mm -hmm. when you're no longer working at that company, that would be the point at which you'd want to skedaddle from Wells Fargo handling that retirement account. Okay. But until then, you stay in Wells Fargo's house because you want to get that 5% free money. That's what you said, right? You put up 10 and they put right. in 5 That's such yeah. a deal. And so that effectively means of every dollar you make, you're saving the equivalent of 15% of it, $0.15. Cents. And mm-hmm. 
that's going to make a real difference in your future. Right. And um, I did have one more question besides that. Um, uh, I wasn't sure what to do. Like I said, I'm 24, and I, I, am, I own my own home, and I'm interested in, um, I, I'm engaged, and I want to become a stay-at-home mom once, you know, five years from now when we decide to adopt. And I was wondering it, where I should put my extra money, if I should be, like, opening up a new investment account with, like, Vanguard. I know you've talked about Vanguard Star and stuff. Um, but Or if I should pay off my 15-year mortgage sooner, or wow. if I should pour more money into my IRA. Okay, you are a, a fantastic example for every last person listening to you right now. Because 24 years old, you bought a home already on a 15-year mortgage. You're saving 15% of your pay. 15 seems to be a big number in your life. And you're doing such great things at a point that most people aren't really getting those kind of things done. And you should be extra proud. And now you're asking me, on top of it, how to save additional money. So if you want to go there, what I would look at is doing a Roth IRA Okay. in addition to what you're doing right now. And doing one with Vanguard would be great. There are several really good companies I have on my investment guide. With Vanguard, if you go with them, you need a minimum $1,000 to open a Roth. And then after that, you can add to it in whatever amounts you want from little amounts to big amounts but no more than fifty five hundred dollars in a year okay so that would be great and by the way vanguard new data just came out took in more money from investors last year by itself than every other financial company in the united states combined that's amazing Normally, right now, you'd be hearing a Clark Regis moment, but instead, I thought we'd talk sizzling deals. And the reason I wanted to do that is it's tax day, all right? And if you owe tax like I do, it's no fun at all. So our crew at Clark Deals has put together a list of specials that are available Because it's tax day. And nothing more than food. I mean, gosh, that's how people deal with their with their sadness is they eat, right? And so we've got about twenty different deals listed for you for food. And then we've got any of a number of other things going on. And unrelated to tax day. Wanted to tell you that there's some really good sales going on right now with Home Depot and Lowe's. And I've got some of that for you on ClarkDeals.com. In fact, I got deal after deal after deal for you today. And if you've never been to Clark Deals, we do it differently than you'll typically find on a deal site. What we do is we specifically look for things that we think are good deals. We don't just list something because, well, we should have another item there. Instead, what we try to do is really think through, is it something that we would think was a deal 
if we wanted that item ourselves. And then and only then are we going to list it on Clark Deals. And Joel, you have an opportunity to to work on Clark Deals. What are the things that you are getting most excited about? Well, I wanted to tell you a deal I think you'll be excited about, Clark, uh, even though I don't know how long you've been on the razor you're currently on. Dorco, which is a brand you've been really liking out of Korea, right? Yeah, D-O-R-C-O. Yeah, so there's a good uh, razor deal for men and for women right now. Uh, the handle plus two cartridges for $2 shipped to your door for free, and we've got that up at ClarkDeals.com, too. So, uh, Dorco, if, you, if you've traveled a lot, particularly in Asia, you've seen their products all over the place. I think they give a superior shave to Gillette and to Schick, and because they're not a well-established brand in the United States, when they have sales, they are great sales. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's Cabbage with a K. K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can make smart decisions with your life, so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. ClarkDeals.com, our bargain site, just hit you with some deals just a few minutes ago. And when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. So we're at the point where we have to do our taxes each year, and thought it would be instructive to share with you where those taxes go, where every dollar you pay goes. So half of it, goes to three things. Out of every dollar, 50 cents goes to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. In the next few years, with an aging population, that'll go to 60 cents of each dollar. So where's the rest go? Next biggest thing, 15 cents, one-five of each dollar, goes to everything involved with the military, except for veterans. The care for veterans is four cents of each dollar. And then education, two cents. Transportation, two cents. Food stamps, one cent. All the court stuff, Justice Department, all that, one cent. Housing assistance, one cent. The Obamacare subsidies, one cent. And then everything else involved with the government 
roughly eight cents. And the reality is, if we want to continue to have the benefits we get from that 50 cents that I talked about, because you think about it with all these other things being such teensy tiny parts of each dollar that the federal government spends. And Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid are half a dollar. They're half of the thing. If we're going to deal with federal spending and budget deficits, spending money we don't have, borrowing additional money to deal with the money we don't have, because, see, we spend more than we collect in tax in the United States. If we don't want to become Argentina, and if you don't know the story of Argentina, Argentina used to be as wealthy as us. Leading up to World War II, Argentina was as wealthy as the United States. And then through economic mismanagement over a number of decades, Argentina became a weak third world country. And so we have to make a decision in the United States. And I don't care what the politicians tell you. I don't care what they tell you. I don't care where they are in the political spectrum. They're not going to tell you what I'm about to say because nobody's going to vote for somebody who tells you what I'm going to say. And that is, we either need to choose that we're going to get less personally that each of us individually is going to get less from the federal government in these programs known as transfer programs, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, or we have to pay more tax. Now, we don't have to do either of those things. Both political parties continue to tell us what we want to hear instead of what we need to face individually and as the American people. And that is that if we want government to do these things, we need government to have the resources to pay them, which means we have to be taxed so that we can cover the costs of what we want government to do for us. But, you know, John F. Kennedy said long ago, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That sounds so quaint now. It sounds almost trite. Because we have moved so much to a point where we don't take responsibility individually or collectively as the American people for what we want our sugar daddy government to do for us. But the bills have to be paid, and the bills either are paid by us becoming an indebted 98-pound weakling eventually in the world, or they get paid by us having government being less involved in our lives, or they get paid by us being willing to pay more tax. Now, if you know another way, let me know. But I want you to think again about what I said. 
Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, half of every dollar the federal government spends. The military, 15 cents. And then a penny for housing, a penny for the courts, two cents for education, a penny for food stamps, two pennies for transportation. So when we talk about waste, fraud, and abuse, even if we zeroed out all the other programs, we still don't get it done. So let's talk about you and me. Let's start with something with you and me. How are each of us doing in our own lives, with our own finances? Maybe you're getting a tax refund. What are you planning to do with that? What I would hope you would do with it is pay down debt. If you're carrying credit card debt, anything like that, use that refund for that. Keep a dime of each dollar for yourself. Go do something fun with the dime of each dollar, whatever that would be. But take the other 90 cents and put it to work in your life. And pay down debt. Or if debt's not a problem for you, pay it towards your future. You know I'm the man from Roth. Love for you to fund a Roth IRA. Love for you to put as much money in it as you can, up to the max allowed. 5500 up to age 49, 6500 50 and older. You build that future for yourself. Because ultimately, if you think about the math I described a minute ago, who you're going to have to depend on for your future is likely heavily going to be you. Munchie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, Clark. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Now, first of all, you know, thanks, thanks to you for you know all your good advice that you've given the radio for free. Thank and, you. Um, I'm happy to do it. I, you know, I I have such a privilege to get to do what I do every day. So I, I have a question about uh, five twenty nine. I have a uh, son who is like. A, just now, four four years old, uh, and I'm uh, I'm hearing a lot of things about 529. That if you do a 529 under your child's name, there is a possibility that you uh, he may not be qualified for uh, government funds or scholarship down the road. That is a uh-huh. great question, and the rules on that seem to have changed. That. A child, money in a child's 529, even if it's owned by the child, now will be calculated on the basis of if it was a parental asset. And that is a change, because I've always said in the past that you want to own the 529 account for the benefit of your child. That's still the best way to do it. I still prefer that that's what you do. So uh, if I have a 529 account on my name and I have some money left over from my college fund, can I use it for my child? You have your own 529 account? Yeah. If, if I, is, it, is it possible that I can open one under my name? So you can have as many 529 accounts as you want. And you can have a 529 account that you own and name yourself as the beneficiary. 
You can also have one that you own and you name your child as the beneficiary. You can even change the one that you have with you as the name beneficiary and change the beneficiary designation to your child. Okay. So they're incredibly flexible on who gets the benefit of the tax-free use of the money for college. So you let me understand, you right now have a 529 account, but it's not your child as the beneficiary? No, I do not have any 529 account. It's oh, okay. Okay. But uh, how old is your child? Uh, he's a little over four years old. So putting money in for your four-year-old is great because you you get 14, 15 years minimum of tax-free growth of the money, and you spend it tax-free. And depending on your state, you may even have the additional advantage of having a state tax benefit for putting money in. So those are the best situations where you get you put the money in, your state gives you a tax benefit, and then the federal government lets the money grow tax-free, and then if used for eligible expenses, you spend it tax-free. That's a big-time deal. Excellent. So is there any cap for 529? Pretty much you can put in so much money that it's more than really anybody would ever put in. If I remember right, the typical cap is around quarter million dollars. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. So it's very, very flexible with these 529 accounts where you can put in from very little amounts of money per month, typically $25, to as much as many thousands of dollars all at once. And then you have the growth of it tax-free. But one thing I want to make sure that you know, and that's that 529 plans are not created equal. There are good 529 plans, mediocre ones, and terrible ones. And so what I've done is I've been through every plan offered in America, and I've come up with a list of the plans that I think are good for you to put your money in for your benefit of your four-year-old. And I've got that for you at Clark.com. In addition, my belief is that you're going to be best served for your four-year-old if you put the money in the age-based option where the administrator of the plan steadily makes the plan more conservative as your child gets closer to college. But when your child's very young, like yours is, that the money is... Uh, invested with a higher level of risk short-term, but greater advantage for the 15-year cycle to your child might start using the money. Kelly's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Clark. Thank you so much for taking my call, and I really love your show, love your website, Um, appreciate your encouragement for all of us to live debt-free. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And you are a would-be or are an existing landlord? Yes, unbelievably. Um, I have a home in Seattle, and I've always used a a management company, and that worked great. 
Um, but I do have the opportunity to go on my own now, and I wanted to get your advice. Um, it would save me a hundred bucks a month or twelve hundred a year if I uh, do this on my own. And I've already uh, screened some uh, prospective tenants and think I can do this and just kind of wanted to get your advice. I do live five hours away um, in another state. Um, Do you have anybody who's on the ground local in Seattle who you can uh, trust to deal with things on site when you need it? You could pay them per time something came up because you got to pay them otherwise they're not going to be reliable sure sure um possibly i have some friends there but it's you know they all work regular day jobs i don't know if that would really work well i can tell Um, you you have more guts than i do because i have mm -hmm. one of my rental properties is six hours away from me and Uh i have a management company handling it just because Sure. It seems too difficult. Now, the three that I have local to me, I -hmm. handle here. But Uh one that's as far away as yours in Seattle, Mm -hmm. I really think that it's worth it to pay that management fee. Okay. And if you want to try it, try it. And Mm -hmm. if it gets to be too much of a burden, you can go back to a management company. Okay. Fantastic. That That's what I'll do. And then do you think, can I get away with not having to do the official credit check? I've called um, previous landlords and I've called empl- uh, the employers to verify their wages and everything looks good. So do I have to do you that? Don't, you don't have to, check? but I think mm-hmm. there's a good reason for you to do uh a credit check, background check, mm-hmm. because you just don't know how reliable somebody is paying their bills. And mm-hmm. a former landlord might not tell you the, the absolute truth on that. Right. And, and so, you know, there's that product called MySmartMove.com, which is something that's a transunion service where you get the tenant's permission, the potential tenant's permission, and then you're able to check their credit and you can charge them for the credit check because that's a standard part of a tenant application process. There's also a website, if you haven't been there yet, Kelly, I'd like you to look at landlord.com, see what's available there for resources for you as a landlord. And I wish you great success doing this by remote control, telling you, you're tougher than me. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Joel? Clark Bud wrote in. He says, I'm suddenly getting ads all over my Facebook page. How do I stop these? They're really annoying. Stop using Facebook. <laughs> Sir, and, uh, that was really smart alecky of me. I'm sorry. The thing is with Facebook, that's how they make their money is with all the ads. And you probably have noticed that the ads – feed into areas that you have shown interest, not even necessarily on Facebook, is they use what are known as cookies to track what you're interested in, what you do online, and then they serve you ads that feed into that. And that's just part of the drill, part of the deal for being able to use Facebook. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. 
When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. The folks at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We also would like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take you less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first people who does it, we'll even give you something for doing it. We want you to complete a short survey for us because we need the information you give us to help make things better every day. Just go to podcastone.study and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.study. The first 250 people that go and complete the survey will get a $25 gift card to Restaurant.com. And there's a chance to win an additional $250 Visa gift card. All of our shows are supported by advertisers, and filling out this survey will really help us out. So please, go to podcastone.study. And thank you. I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is the website. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Coming up in a half hour, I got the opportunity to drive a Chevy Bolt, B-O-L-T, which is Chevy's new affordable, well, it's average price car, affordable electric car that goes 240 miles on a charge. I want to tell you about it, tell you where it fits in to your and my driving future. That's coming up in a half hour. Right now, I want to talk about a move that apparently is being hatched inside the Beltway that will allow toll bridges to be erected on the internet where you and I already pay for monthly service for internet access. There's a move to charge websites that you want to go visit a toll where if I am the internet service provider, the phone company or the cable company, that I'll be able to say, well, If you don't pay us, we're going to purposely give a terrible experience to somebody trying to go to your website. They are going to be able to use their near-monopoly positions to control the flow of information, the access to the Internet, and this is an outrage. I have no idea how the people involved in making this decision at the FCC could think in any way, shape, form, or fashion they're doing something for the benefit of this country. Because one of the things that is so beautiful about America 
is the free flow of ideas and information and allowing near monopolies like the phone company or the cable company to have the ability to restrict your access to the websites you want to go visit is absolutely horrific. And it is disgusting to me that because of all the dirty money that flows around Washington, that something like that could occur. But something like this only happens if it's not talked about. Because once something like this becomes something that you're aware of, it's much less likely that it will take place. And that's why I'm talking about it. Because this is nasty, terrible stuff. Think about if you come up with a website that people love going to, whatever it is, and suddenly people are complaining to you that your website isn't loading, that they go to watch your latest video and they can't really see it. The reason for that would be that you're being extorted by the internet service provider. That they're saying, unless you pay that money, the people who want to see what you have aren't going to be able to see it. Now, the reason this is extra terrible is you and I are already paying for internet access. We're already paying to be able to put in a web address and go visit it. So to then tell you and me as a customer paying for it that we can't go to a website we want to go to because that website isn't paying the extortion money, that is absolutely, completely, and totally unacceptable. I just want you to know, I want you to be aware because there's a lot of double-talking lying going on right now about this. And people who are talking about it like it's such a good thing that there would be toll bridges on the Internet. Well, let me tell you, there is no good thing to it. And I am disgusted by it. And I cannot believe that people that are there supposedly to serve the public good would do something like that to this great country. Raphael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Raphael. How are you doing? How are you, sir? Great, thank you. I would like to thank you. I would like to thank you and your team for doing an outstanding job. Thank you so much. Well, sure, and uh, I'm glad you said team because... I am probably the least important person in this operation. Yes. I'm getting funny looks in here. (laughs) Uh, Clark, the reason I'm calling, and um, this has been on my mind uh, for quite some time, and uh, I just want to contact you, and and hopefully you can direct me or give me some points um, uh, to consider. I'm thinking of a career change, and I'm looking to pursue a dental, dental, dental degree, 
And my thing is, okay, then a professional degree is not cheap. No, it's not cheap. And yes, there is financial aid out there, and you cannot rule out student loans. What other options do I have? So with uh, becoming a dentist, the amount of money people borrow is probably the highest of any professional degree. And the last person who called in who had student loans who had become a dentist had student loans in excess of $400,000. Heavens. The program you're looking at um, for dentistry, what kind of cost will it have for the program? Well, being a state school, which is good, uh, besides being a private school, which is astronomical, uh, we're looking at roughly around a hundred thousand, seventy-five to hundred thousand a year for four years. There's just no way around it. Okay, so even at a state school, you're looking at three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars in cost. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So this is an issue all over the country, obviously, for dental students and dental graduates. I mean, who has that kind of money laying around? And so the American Dental Association has put together a guide on programs that provide loan forgiveness, either partial or continual loan forgiveness. And I don't know if you've seen that at the ADA website. I have not, sir. So if you go to ADA.org, and this is not a complete list. It it is a list that has programs that are available throughout the country, and then it has programs that are available state by state. Okay. But there there are even other things beyond what you'll see on the ADA guide. And the guide is simply labeled um, Dental Student Loan Repayment Programs. Okay. And you'll be able to see going in what kind of things you could do. And typically what they involve is you agreeing for a certain number of years after you get out of dental school to either be a dentist in a rural area or being a... um, a dentist in an area that is classified underserved, which does not have to be in a rural area. Right. right. And those programs tend to have somewhere about twenty to $40,000 per year that you okay. work Good. in one of those designated areas. That's how much, in addition to what you earn, that's how much right. loan forgiveness you get. Okay. Good. Good. And I'm looking right here on the list. Mm -hmm. Colorado has some areas that they need dentists so badly that they give $90,000 in loan forgiveness for agreeing to work in one of those counties in Colorado that are really short of dentists. For agreeing to work there for 36 months, you get $90,000 in forgiveness. And, That's a good start. And there are programs like that all over the country. Okay, okay. That's what I wanted to hear. You feeling better? What I want to hear. Yeah, way better. Way better, Clark. Way better. The other option that people often do is they agree to a hitch of military service in return for 
having uh, dental school cost at least in part taken care of. And I don't know how you feel about serving in the military, but that is another option. Ann is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ann. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Clark. I'm well. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. I'm calling about ink carts. Ink carts? You mean ink cartridges? cartridges? Yes. I, I am a DIY. I lo- I've always refilled mine myself. I like doing that, saving all that money. No, you don't. Really? I do, yes. I tried that once, and <laughs> being klutzy, I just spilled ink all over the place. Well, I do look like I voted in a foreign country sometimes, but I mean, (laughs) 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 it's worth it. (laughs) Oh, that's Uh, funny. I've done it for years and years, and all of a sudden, in the last several months, it's not working so well, Um, and I'm seeing a bunch of stuff on the internet, and I'm I'm coming to you for the facts. What's the problem? Um, Okay, so what the manufacturers have been doing is they've been using something called DRM, Digital Rights Management. Mm-hmm. that if you do refill a cartridge, the printer will automatically shut down. Jeez. And so the reality is is that printer ink sells for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars per gallon. I know. Because all the money is made traditionally in the industry selling you a printer at a loss so that they can then make it up on each uh, printer cartridge refill. Now, I have a couple of strategies for you. One is that, and we had a Clark Stinks about this recently for why I don't ever mention this, but Costco Wholesale offers an extremely inexpensive cartridge refill program that apparently is successful getting around DRM. Okay. The other thing is that I have been using now for, I guess, two years an Epson Echo Tank or Eco Tank, whichever way you pronounce it, which is a printer where you pay a real market price for the printer, but the ink is basically free. So it's the opposite business model. And the printers tend to cost a lot more money than all those uh, printers sold as a loss. Like, they're typically around $250. Oh, okay. I had heard even more than that, so that's more reasonable than I had heard. And Brother, um, which is a big player in printers, is now offering their version of one where you get basically two years ink with the purchase of the printer, and theirs start at $199. Now, would either of those, would I be able to, of course, it sounds like I won't need to, but if I wanted to do the DIY ink refill myself? You won't need to, because they sell the ink so dirt cheap that you wouldn't want to get involved with that. And the, um, so the Epson brand is called Echo Tank, and again, maybe it's Eco Tank, one or the other. And then the brother brand is called Ink Vestment. Oh, how cute. Yeah. So those are alternatives, but if you have an existing Hewlett-Packard or whatever where the ink is a zillion dollars, and you are a Costco member, why don't you try their refill and see if it really does work? I will. All right. And again, if you're in the market for a printer, I have no experience with the Brother, but the Epson, I've got two of them. They've been great. 
Horace is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Horace, you got a letter from a collection agency, and doesn't seem right, does it? What's the scoop? No, it doesn't. Uh, I'm not sure yet. I've been all my efforts to run it down. I, I have not been successful. I, I have not contacted the collection agency itself. I'm not sure I should even do that. So but, they uh, sent you a, a letter saying. You owe us this much money. We're collecting a debt. Do they tell you who they're collecting the debt for? They gave me a name. Um, can I mention that one? Uh, w- probably not here. Okay. Gave me one name, but but there isn't a group in our town that has that exact name. There's a there are a couple of groups that have that name plus some other names. Is it like a medical type collection? Yes. You know, yeah. half of all items showing on people's credit report are medical items where maybe there was a balance bill or whatever you never got, something like that. But I never want you to pay anything like that unless you can truly verify that it is a valid debt of yours. Do you know about uh, annualcreditreport.com? Uh, is that part of Karma? No, it's a separate thing. It's the uh, the government-sanctioned site for you to get a free copy of all three of your credit reports, and you're allowed to do it once a year. Uh-huh. And if you go to annualcreditreport.com, you can see if there is any collection listed on any of your three reports. Are you a Credit uh-huh. Karma member, though? Yes. And so you've already been to... Um, there and it's not showing on the two because you get to see two out of your three files there. Yeah, I, I uh, asked for a credit report from Karma, and they came out and my report says like eighty eight hundred and twenty, and excellent. Okay, so what I would do with this collection agency, if you don't feel you owe this, on the back they tell you about writing the ten day letter. You know, you write them, and I have a sample of the letter you send to the collection agency telling them to uh, provide proof of the debt, that you dispute the validity of the debt. And if they don't have proof of it, they just flat out have to go away. Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip altogether. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is the web address. Clarkdeals.com, our deal site. I am a absolute total believer in electric cars because they're fun they are fun and it's a stunner to people who've never driven one what do you mean they're fun because your only experience may have been in a hybrid and hybrids are well they're generally not fast off the mark 
There are a couple of them that, that are like rockets, but for the most part, they're not. Electric cars are fast. And so you never have to worry about having enough acceleration. And then they're incredibly cheap to run and maintain. But the big problem with electric cars is, except for Tesla, they don't have any range. I mean, they just don't. So if you were driving somewhere, you're always kind of looking down and seeing how much remaining range you have. I have a Nissan Leaf, and I've had it for six years, and the battery life on it has started deteriorating. So typically, I'm looking at, from a full charge, about 55 miles of range, which is, I mean, you think about, you can't go too far on it before you're worried you're going to be able to get back. But then to buy a Tesla, the cheapest Teslas new are like $70,000. Chevy has come out with an alternative called the Bolt, the B-O-L-T. Not to be confused with the Volt, the V-O-L-T. The Bolt is an all-electric car that goes 240 miles on a charge. 240 I mean, that covers most anything anybody would ever need to do in a local area, right? Even some regional trips without even having to worry about getting a charge. And the Bolt gets, if you take what an electric car does and convert it into what an equivalent be for a gas engine car, the miles per gallon of the Bolt, 119 miles per gallon, 119. The average vehicle sold in the United States gets roughly 25 miles per gallon. And Chevy has developed one that goes 119 equivalent miles per gallon. When you convert electricity into an equivalent of gasoline, that's where you end up. And the car is fast. I was really surprised when I drove it, because you look at it and it looks like Uh, kind of like a little crossover vehicle. And so you're not expecting it to be fast. And so I go to drive it, and I immediately laid rubber. And that was not my intention. It's like I was an 18-year-old boy suddenly. I was embarrassed by it. Anyway, it's fast. Inside, it is... um, Well, it's a little Spartan inside, but the back seat is very roomy, and the wonderful thing with an electric car, there's almost zero maintenance, almost nothing, pretty much tires, and that's it. So the thing with the Bolt is they priced it where it prices out at exactly the average cost of a new car in the United States. And I don't know if they're losing money at that price. I have no idea. But that's their price point. And speaking of money, over time, you save thousands every year by not having to buy gasoline or do the maintenance that you would normally have on a vehicle. And so 
what makes it so different than all the electric cars that have come before, like the BMW i3, the Mercedes B-Class electric, and I forget what else there is. There's, a, I think, a Fiat electric, and the Leaf that I mentioned earlier, is this range of 240 miles. That's a game changer because that puts it into a category where it can easily be a daily driver without ever having a fear that you're going to end up by the side of the road out of, well, the equivalent of gas, out of power. And I think there are going to be others that race into this space at more affordable prices and with the real range. And as the cost of the batteries keeps dropping, roughly 8% a year, that we are just right at the edge of where electric cars are going to be cheaper to buy than gas engine vehicles, and then on top of it, much cheaper to run. Speaking of tires, Johnny, I mentioned the only thing you got to buy on one of those electric cars is tires. You want to buy tires not for an electric car, right? Uh, Well, it's for a 13 Prius, and thank you for taking my call. Sure. Mark, appreciate it. So shopping around for tires is a confusing thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's been probably five years since I've actually had to shop for tires, and uh, there's just so many options nowadays. I mean, you have your local tire shop, the car dealer, your big box stores, and even online. Um, I'm just kind of wondering what the best option is to get the best deal. Well, I suggest that anytime you're looking at tires, you start your search at TireRack.com. Okay. Have you ever been to that website? I have, but it's been a while. So Tire Rack, why I like them so much, is they have a massive selection of tires available. And so you put in your make, in your case the Toyota Prius, put in your model year, and they'll show you two things. They've got tire centers that will install their tires, and they show you who's available near your zip code and what they charge to install the tires. And then they show you all the choices of tires available. And so you can start with that, and you get the price points. You see what it would cost to have them installed in your neighborhood. And then you take that information, and you can either right at that point just go ahead and buy from Tire Rack. But if you're like me and you want to make sure you're getting the best deal, then you go the additional steps of whatever warehouse club you're a member of. Are you a member of Sam's or Costco? Yes, I am. Okay. So check out what they've got, and they are both very good at selling tires. They may well be cheaper, depending on the model you have. And the other thing would be to try a couple of the local tire stores. And then make right now, your call the, from that. The tire rack, will, will they ship directly to you and also to the retailer to get the Exactly. As well? Exactly. So okay. you can pick. So if you pick somebody who you're going to have install for you, they will be able to ship directly to them. And because who wants to have tires coming to your house? And then you got to 
put them in the back of the Prius and drive them to the tire center that's going to install them. It's just so much smarter to have them go straight to the tire center. Right. So then, so then you also see all the time these advertising for buy three, get one free. And even this morning I saw in the news, or it was a, um, an ad for buy two, get two free. But it, you have to get the maintenance package, balance, all this other stuff that's involved. Yeah, so, and I think in the so, long run, it's almost not even worth doing that. Right. So those are come-ons to get you to come in. And in that case, you don't want to take the bait unless you price the total thing. And if their total thing, buy two, get two free with whatever else they make you buy, if it's really cheaper than the other offers, then go for it. Otherwise, I think it's as as much or as little time as you want to spend here. If you spend a little more, you can end up saving a lot of money on the purchase of tires. One of the nice things with Tire Rack, by the way, is you'll see – all the posted reviews on a particular tire brand and style model number you're thinking of buying. Okay. Uh, Another question, is there a time of the year that's better to buy um, that has better deals on tires than any other time of year? If there is a better time of year to buy tires, that's not something I'm aware of. Okay. You know, generally, I bought tires as, you know, as I've needed them. And, you know, when the tires start to get to that point where they're worn, and, you know, there's that nice, easy mark now on a tire, that little ridge where the tire will tell you when it's time to replace it. Do you know what I'm talking right. about? It's a... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... And I think they also have the uh, the, the the penny test, I guess, that hits the, the tread, hits the head of... Of Lincoln. Penny, and that's yeah. possibly time to change as well. Right. So I think that the more important thing rather than time of the year is the shopping you do. And you sound like you're a shopper anyway. So I bet you're going to find a great deal on those tires. Anthony's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Anthony. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? Good. Thank you. How can I serve you today, Anthony? Clark, I think I ran across a once-in-a-lifetime deal on a home. I have been doing the apartment thing for quite some time now, and just recently something has caught me totally by surprise. I have the opportunity to purchase a three-bedroom home, fireplace, one-car garage, for the remaining balance of a mortgage, which is 57000 the house has been appraised for 122000 I've had a real estate attorney look into the mortgage. It's been checked out. I've had the home also appraised, uh, not appraised, but inspected, and it's been checked out. So the home is totally fine. Why would somebody sell it to you for less than half market value? What's in it for them? Well, they're in dire street right now. They have a couple of... Uh, rental properties, and things have kind of gone south for them, and they need to unload some homes for some cash right away. That still seems weird that they would sell, because even if you had to sell in a hurry, there are all those uh, people out there that will 
pay cash in 10 days and uh-huh. buy a house, and they expect to get a deal, but they're likely to offer this person in dire straits more than uh, 45 cents on the dollar. Well, it, it is strange, Clark, and it has caught me by surprise, but I have the opportunity to do it. And you're but sure you there's no tax it? liens, there's nothing funny going on? No, sir. There's nothing funny going on. I've had a real estate attorney totally check it out for me. Okay. How are you going to pay for it? Well, that's the bad thing. Uh, I would have to use my 401k. Oh, oh stab me in the heart. <laughs> I know, I know, I know how you feel about that, and I've heard so, your show plenty of times, and, you know, you say never touch it, but this sounds like it might be a great opportunity, so I'm calling you to find out if you think I should. Well, what about borrowing the money from a credit union as an alternative? I can't right now because uh, this, like I say, this caught me by surprise. I purchased a car last year, and I do have a few credit card balances that I need to attend Ooh. to. So, so if I you, if you, right now. would you borrow from your 401k or would you liquidate your 401k? Liquidate. Oh, you're killing me here. <laughs> I know. Um, I would say, it, why not borrow from your 401k? Then you don't generate, because see, if you liquidate the 401k, you're going to have to pay taxes equal to roughly somewhere close to 46% of the money you pull out of it. I talked to my uh, advisors, and they told me 10%. No, that's but, the penalty. Uh, I do have the, okay, but I do have the 401k that I cannot borrow from. Wow. Well, I, I don't know exactly what that is, but Anthony, I'm very, very nervous about you doing this because okay. you already have, you said you already have the credit card debts, you have the car loan, you then wipe out the money that you've saved for retirement, and then you turn around and you know you're going to have to come up with that big tax bill mm-hmm. because that tax bill is going to be ordinary income tax plus a 10% penalty on the money you pull out of the 401k, that combination just terrifies me. Me too, but I'm thinking that if, you know, I'm looking at the uh, possibility of not paying rent and not paying a mortgage and getting this house at a good price. But what are you going to do about retirement? How old are you? I am 54. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. You're just it. eating me up. I, <laughs> I, I know you want me to say, yeah, go ahead and do it because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But as great a deal as it potentially is, I think you got to pass. Just my opinion. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks for you. Yeah, Clark. Mark wrote in. He says, why do corporations allow their stock prices to climb so high, like over $50 a share, when they could do splits and keep the price in the range where individual investors would be a lot more likely to afford those shares? So most companies don't care anymore about individual investors buying their stock as individuals institutions do most stock buying now uh, through mutual funds, index funds, that sort of thing. So 
companies don't really clue in or pay attention anymore to you as an individual investor buying their shares. When the price goes up, they just let it keep going up and have turned their backs on you trying to buy individual shares. All right, Linda wants to know, a while ago you mentioned being able to carry pack, someone, uh, hiring someone to carry packages from one town to another. What was that website again? The website that I talked about was uship.com, and so they do a variety of moves, typically people moving smaller amounts of stuff, but it can be any of a number of things. Uship has broadened what it does, and it's again, it's the letter U, not Y-O-U, uship.com. One other source, roadie.com, R-O-A-D-I-E.com. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain are. Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the very this, first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Stephen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.